Oh man, church, I'm excited because today we have the final message in a series called Living Your Blessed Life. Not your best life, but your blessed life. And I have a confession to make. When God, I believe, gave me the, the, the theme for this, this series, and I came up with the title, Living Your Blessed Life, I wasn't overly in love with the title. Uh, basically because I think when we say blessed, I mean, it's, it's almost like a Christianese type thing that we say. Like, you ever talk to, you know, somebody who's maybe real Christianese, and you say, hey, how you doing? They're, they're like, I, I'm blessed and highly favored. And I'm like, you're also highly weird. I mean, no one talks like that. So, but, so I, I struggled with the title because we, you know what would be fun? I was thinking about that as I talked about this or talked through this um, opening, and I, I thought, wouldn't it be fun, because we're a church where it's okay to not be okay, wouldn't it be fun if, if, if one day at church, everybody just like, said what was on their mind. Like, like it re- it's like the movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey. You just say it. Like, like, you're walking into church and the host team is like, hey, welcome home. How you doing? And you're like, you know what? I'm hungover and feel like death. Okay? Oh, that's nice. And I would ask how you're doing, but I really don't care. Right? So people are just saying these things and it'd be fun. People may never come back, but it'd be fun. So, but you... You may be more Christianese than you even think you are. You might be like, oh, I'm not one of those weird Christians. But I bet some of you would know how to respond to something like this. And if you do, you're a little Christianese. If I were to say, God is good. And all the time. That's pretty Christianese, right? We just know the right things to say as Christians. Even though I'll tell you this, I don't say that much anymore. And the reason why is because um, I, I ran into Mr. Christianese and he corrected me on that. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I said, God is good? And he goes, no, pastor. Mm-mm. I was like, oh my God, help me. He's like, nope, God is great. I was like, oh, okay, yep, and you have no friends. Okay, so anyway, so I, so I don't say that much anymore, but the title's correct. The message series is correct. Blessings are real, um, and I don't, I, I, I love the title because we want to live the best life we can live. You do. Whether you know Jesus or you don't, I believe you want that. Um, but Jesus has a different plan for you, and his plans are always better, and he don't want your best life. He wants your blessed life because that's better than your best, and and this this final message, oh my gosh, I I truly believe we saved the best for last. Let Let me, before I get into the scripture, let me give you the overarching theme that God wants to bless you, and you shouldn't shy away from that, but there's a key to unlocking God's blessings in your life, and the key is trust. Say trust. You have to trust God. God's blessings aren't hitting you not because of him, but maybe they're not hitting you because of you or because of me and the way that we're not trusting God. So the, the story that I'm going to preach on is found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was one of the 12 disciples. Like, he didn't know he was writing the Gospel, which means good news. He didn't know he was writing it. He was just watching this, this, this leader of his. And he's seeing Jesus do things and say things and teach things. And Matthew's like, this is crazy. And he starts writing it down. He didn't realize it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing it. And this story that Matthew records is a story that Jesus is telling the disciples and others. And it's a parable. Jesus spoke in parables. That means Jesus told stories. Just people relate to stories. So Jesus would tell parables or stories to help people understand. For example, what he's helping them understand in Matthew 20, is it Matthew 25, 14 is where we're at, um, is He starts by saying, the kingdom of God is like this. So Jesus is illustrating for them and for you and I today what the kingdom of God is like. 
and it's crazy what he says. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the entire scripture, probably 13, 14 verses, and then, and then God is going to help us break it down. Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Again, you guys, you gals, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man. And he's going on a long trip, okay? He called together his servants and entrusted them, in this case with money, to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one of the servants, two bags to another servant, and one to another servant according to their abilities. Which I love that. He's not going to give you more that's going to overwhelm you. He's not going to give you too little that you're like, oh, I could do more. He, he knows exactly what you need. And he gives it to them, and then he, the man goes on the trip. Okay? Tracking? All right. The servant who got the five bags of silver invested the money, earned five more. Pretty good. Same with the two-bag guy. He got two bags of silver. He invested it. The word of God says, earn two more. All right, this is good. But the, but the last servant who received the one bag of silver, he digs a hole in the ground, in the earth, and he, and he hides his bag of silver there. He hid the master's money. So, after a long time, guess who comes back? All right, the master. He comes back. He shows up. He returns from his trip. He calls them to, to give, give me an update. How's it going? You know, what did you use the money for? What have you been up to? What's going on? The servant who had the five bags entrusted to him uh, said, you know what? Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I took it, and I've earned five more. The master, you can tell by his response, he's pretty excited about it. He says, he says and I quote, I'm, the master was full of praise. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. Say faithful. You've been faithful with, with what I've given you, this small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You guys, same thing with the, with the two bags of silver guy. He, he said the same thing. Uh, the servant who got the two bags came forward. Master, you gave me two. I invested. I earned two more. The master says, hey, you well done. Awesome job. You've been so faithful with those two bags of silver. Oh, I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. And he's excited. And then you get to the last guy. And let's see how it goes. He says, the one bag silver guy says, master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant. Gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it. I hid it in the earth. Look, I mean, here it is right here. Here's your money back. The master's response almost seems like a little like hardcore, almost, if you, if you think about it. He's like, he's like, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered and didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least like deposit the money and the bank, at least get a, at least you would have got some interest on it. In other words, you can tell already that the master, even from that statement, he's looking, he expects a return. You could have got interest. Then he ordered, yeah, I mean, he's making a command now, take the money that he has left, the silver, give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. And then he says something that that's, that's, sounds weird. For everyone who has for, excuse me, for everyone who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. It's like, it's like Jesus in the story is almost saying, gosh, the rich do get richer and the poor do get poor. But that's not really correct. What he's saying is uh, the faithful get richer, not just money. I mean, Jesus is using silver as the illustration. But, but the first thing I see when I read this story, and I want you to, I want you to see it too, you probably already do, do you recognize that all three servants had a choice, right? 
Every one of them had a choice. The master didn't say, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to invest here. I want you to spend it here. He didn't tell them any of that. He just said, there you go. See you later. I'll be back. So, so they had a choice to do with whatever they wanted with the silver, in this case, that the master gave them. And, and you and I, so what we need to understand is we all have choices. You get it. So everything that God entrusts us with, which is everything that we have, whether it's resources, whether it's our time, whether it's um, um, uh, abilities that he's given us. So he's blessed us in these areas, and he says, do, it, do with what you want. And, and, but, but he expects a return. And honestly, we do too. Like, you expect a return on your investment, and you should. Like, what, you have, what you've been given is valuable. If you invest what you have, say, say money, you invest it in the stock market, eventually you'd like to see a return on that wouldn't you if you invest in a movie like you want the movie to be entertaining you want the movie to be good if you invest in like a football game you know say a huskers game uh okay maybe a little you want it to be competitive right that you want it to be competitive they didn't lose this week by the way you know that they didn't lose (laughs) <laughs> all right i'm done i'm done i'm not again i'm not against huskers i'm trying to wrap around them i'm trying to wrap around them it's not easy though you have to admit it's tough right now so whoa security security all right all right but now i'm off track what was i saying oh yeah so you invest in a movie you invest in um okay you invested in something this morning those of you watching online, if, if, as you watch, you're investing in something. You're investing in what we would call church. Well, uh, you should expect a return on that investment. Like, you want to be, get poured into. You, you want truth in a world that maybe gives you, not, not maybe, in a world that gives you lies. You want truth. You want encouragement. You want love. You want compassion. Like, can I just say, I promise you, you've invested well. Because, because when you listen, every week you'll get it. When you listen to the word of God. When you listen to Jesus and you do what he says, you will get a return on that investment. Why? Because the word of God never returns void. It never, you always get a return. Even if you're like, I really don't get it. I really don't understand. I promise. You are getting invested into right now whether you know it or not. And it's a great investment. So, so they have a choice. See, what happens next in the servant's life isn't even up to the master. It's up to them. And us too. We have a choice. Like, how, do, how am I going to respond with what I've been given? With, with, with finances, with um, time. How, how am I going to respond? How you respond determines whether you're blessed or not. It, it's how you respond. Somebody said once, it's not how we act that's really going to make an impact on your life. It's how we react. It's how we respond. So how did the servants respond? Look at the first two responses. Just look at them. I'll put them right up together. They say the same thing. They respond by saying, Master, you gave me. Right away, the first thing out of their mouth, you've given me. Like, there's a gratitude there. Like, there's an understanding. You gave me. Like, you gave me the first guy five bags of silver to invest. That word's huge. So, So, and the second guy said the same thing. They understand something. They understand that, that what they've been given, they're supposed to invest it. They understand that the master, I know him well enough to know this. I, he, he didn't maybe say it to me like point blank, but he know, I know. He, want, he, he expects a return. And he deserves one, and so do I. 
So, so he wants me to invest it, and then they give the answer, they, and here's what happened. Master, you gave it to me. Master, I know you want me to invest it, and then here was the result. I've doubled it. The second guy, I've doubled it. So you can see that they know right away that just by the posture of them saying the things they said, they understood that what they'd been given in the first place, those bags of silver, it, it was never theirs. It was given to them. See, when you understand that everything that you've been given is, how do they say it? Everything that you own is on loan. Everything that you own is on loan. When you understand that everything you own is on loan, it makes it so much easier to trust God. Okay, I'm seeing some blank stares. Let me illustrate. So, so Andrew, come up here. Andrew's like, my God, we didn't talk about this. I know, I just like putting people on the spot. So, but it involves 100 bucks, so that's pretty good. <laughs> wow, Andrew just woke up. He was like, yeah, okay. So, Andrew, if I, if I give you $100, and I say to you, I want you to invest it. Now, I'm not the smartest guy, so I'm going to tell you to go to the casino and invest it there. So, so after church, Andrew, you're going to go to the casino, and you're going to take the $100, which you didn't have 30 seconds ago, but you have it now. And uh, don't talk, Andrew. This is just me right now. You're just, you're just, okay? <laughs> He's trying to have a conversation. Don't do that. So, um, I love you, though. I love you. Um, you're going to go to the casino. You're going to invest it. And I'm going to tell you where. Go into a casino. Go straight to the roulette table. Put it on red. That's the color of Jesus' blood. Put it on red. We're going to win, right? So, so you're... I told you, don't do that one more time. So, okay, so... <laughs> you go to the casino, and you do that. Let me ask you a question, Andrew. And you don't have to answer, because I'll answer for you. You go there. You put it on red. Say you win. Is it a good day? Yep, you just doubled the money. That's awesome. Now, if you lose the $100, say it hits black, and the $100 is gone, are you truly bent out of shape? Probably not. Why? Because an hour ago, you didn't have $100. An hour, you didn't have it. And, and you know it was never mine in the first place. The dude just gave it to me, and he told me to invest it. So you understand that it's much easier to do it, right? So, and you also understand that this is just an illustration, and I need that $100 back, right? Give it up for Andy. He's like, oh. So, but... It's so much easier. It's so much easier. He's like, I'm never coming back to this church. It's so much easier. You got to hold it, though. It's so much easier to, to, when, when you know it's not yours. By the way, a quick story that I just thought about. And it's, I, oh, whatever. So I'm going to tell it. So when Jody and I, uh, we, we, this is way early in our marriage, we went to a casino in Vegas. And there was a guy at the roulette table. You guys, and they'll show you if it's hit black or red in the numbers. It hit black probably eight times in a row. So we're watching, and this guy walks up, and you can tell that it's, it must have been a honeymoon. Had to have been, because they're all kissy, kissy, huggy, huggy. I mean, it was really inappropriate. So anyway, but it's Vegas. No one cares. So they're there, and you can see the guy open his wallet, and he's, like, talking to her. He's, like, looking at the board, and he grabs, like, at least two or $300 bills, puts it on red, because you put the cash right on there. Because it's got to hit red. It's hit black eight times in a row. Guess what it hit? Yes. So swipe, they take his money, and there's tension now between hubby and wife. And it's not good, because you can see her kind of getting upset, and he's like, look at that, look at that. Opens his wallet, takes out more $100 bills, puts them down on red. You know where it's going. Guess what it hit? Black, again, like the 10th time in a row. I mean, I was like, Jody, get the popcorn. This is going to get good. So, I mean, so he, so he opens his wallet. I kid you not, true story. Jody was telling you this. She is she is like livid, like visibly, like, let's go. And he's like, no, I'm with this. This is it. We're going to. And he grabs what looked like the rest of his money, threw it down. You know what it hit. Yeah. 
I was like, oh my God, that's probably the shortest marriage in history. I, I bet they were done. It had to be over. He lost three shots in a row. And uh, anyway, there's, yeah. So, but you understand with Andrew's situation, Andrew, you wouldn't be flustered because you're like, wasn't mine in the first place. It doesn't matter. So that's what I want us to understand. The first two servants were grateful and thankful. And they were blessed because of it. The, the, the other servant, well, look at, look at his response. It does not start well. Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Okay, that's not the way to like butter him up. That's not going to do it. You can almost see that he knows he, he wasn't faithful. You, like, he's already making an excuse for why he didn't make anything. And I hate excuses. By the way, we start a new series next week called No Excuses because you can either make excuses or you can make a difference. I cannot wait. Because if this one of my biggest pet peeves is excuses, and they're in the Bible, we're going to learn from them. So you got to invite somebody to that, and don't let them give you an excuse not to come. Because I'm just saying it's going to be good. So he he starts with an excuse. He says, "I was afraid I lose." Notice this: your money. So he even knows what the other two guys know knew. He knows it's not his. He got that much right. He's smart enough to know what I was given that silver ain't mine. It was his. But but what did he do? He hides it anyway. Why did he hide it? Do you see it in the scripture? What was, what was wrong with him? He was afraid. Fear. Fear is why he hid it. Why I'm so excited about the closing message of living your blessed life is this. I believe this is one of the number one obstacles that you're going to face is you and your fear. He didn't hide it because he was, because he was purposely doing evil. I'm purposely going to make the master mad. I, 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 we're fighting and I'm mad at him, so I'm going to not do this. No, no, no. It wasn't any of that. It was his fear that stopped him from, from taking this step of faith. Now, come on. Let's be honest. We've all got fears that we have, okay? How many, how many spiders? That's a big one. How many would say you're scared of spiders? Don't lie. You're in church. There's, okay, Bethany, I know you're in here somewhere. So Bethany's freaked out of spiders. Uh, snakes? Snakes are maybe a scare. Oh, that hand went up really quick. How about, how about your teenagers? Anybody scared of your teenagers? I mean, seriously. Um, Jody and I, that was one of our biggest fears with Jake and Ava, that one day they grow up to be teenagers. Well, it happened. So anyway, so um, fear is very real. Do you know what the, this is interesting. I did some research, and you'll probably find different answers with different studies, but the study I looked at, it said the number one fear, I want, I'm not even going to make a guess, but uh, many people would say the number one fear is dying. That was number two on the study. You know what number one was? Public speaking. That was the number one fear. Yeah, look at my job. So the number one fear of public speaking. So what we're saying is, if we're at a funeral, we'd rather be the one in the casket than the one giving the eulogy. Does that make sense? That's where we're at. So, but did you know, according to psychologists, there's only two fears that we're born with? According to the study, I'm just as, as accurate as this research was, I don't know, but this is what it said. There's two fears that you're, you're born with. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. That's what it said. Those are the two that you're born with. Every other fear that you have is learned. Every other fear. Like, like my fear of clowns, it, it was learned. When my sibling sat me down when I was just a little small fry and said, hey, Monty, watch this movie Poltergeist. It'll be great. You know. And then a clown pulls his kid under the bed. I still don't let my feet dangle over the bed. I won't do it. I will not do it. But, but there's good news for me and there's good news for you. The, the fears that you've learned, you can unlearn. How? I'll tell you how. It's the main point. The key to overcoming, or you could say the key to unlearning your fear, is trusting, say trusting, 
the promises of God. Trusting the promises of God. It is, it is no secret or no surprise that Jesus illustrates with silver. That G, he illustrated over a third of his parables with money. And, and, and do you remember what I said earlier? Everything that Jesus taught is for us. Maybe I didn't say that earlier, but you need to know that. Everything that Jesus taught in Scripture is for your benefit. It's for your advantage. It's, it's for you. Say for me. It's for you. So, so Jesus, he, he uses silver in our illustration and uses money in the illustration. Why? Because money is the number one way, number one thing that we struggle with. So it only makes sense that that's the number one thing that Jesus spoke of, right? That, that, so think about that. And I, I told you last week, and this isn't a message on money, but I'll tell you, I told you last week, you know, tithing or returning 10% is trusting God, and that's what it is. But, but most Americans or most Christians don't do it, and that, that was me most of my Christian life. I ain't doing that. I can't do that. And maybe that's where you're at too. I'm glad you're here. That's what Jesus is for us, and that's why he would teach. So if the main point is the key to overcoming your fears, trusting the promises of God, why would Jesus always talk about silver and money and resources, things like that? Because we have a hard time trusting God. I do in that area. But what are the promises of God tied to that? There's multiple promises. I'll give you one that's a very uh, prevalent one in Scripture, in Malachi, where God says, return the tithe to the storehouse, the 10%. And, and, and he says, he, then he tells the blessing behind it. Return the tithe. And he says, if you do, there will be enough, my people will be taken care of. There will be enough food in the storehouse. Uh, he actually says in the temple, the storehouse is the local church, if you research that. And he says, return it. And then he gives a blessing. And he says, if you do, See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. It's so hard. It's so hard. So you would, you would think any Christian would say, oh my God, okay, if I do that, it's a promise from God. I mean, his promises never return void. Why, so why don't we? Do you know why? I don't, most people don't tithe. That was me. Again, that's me. I'm pointing at me, pointing the finger at me, 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 me. Do you know why I didn't do it? It's not because I didn't want to give. And I don't think it's because you don't want to give. I don't believe that. Most people want to give. Of course, there's always the one guy, and I've said this before, the one guy that acts like he wants to give, and you go out to lunch or dinner, and he's like, I got the check. And then the bill shows up, and all of a sudden he has a case of T-Rex arm, and he can't quite reach the, the bill, and all of a sudden you got to get it. Anyway, that T-Rex arm is a real thing. You could talk to doctors about it. So, um, so, But most people want to give. The reason why people struggle there, and the reason why I've struggled so much, so much in my life there, is fear. Like, it is hard to give, and Jesus knows this, that's why he talked about it. It's hard to give when you're burdened by debt, honestly, isn't it? It's hard to, to give when your spouse and you are fighting over money or when you're scraping to get by. But I, I came to tell you something. If that's you, there's hope. There is hope for you and there's hope for me because God said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power and love. See, when you trust God, he'll show you his faithfulness. He will. I, so I get excited about it. Never used to be, but I am now. You know who hates? You know who hated when Jesus would bring up any kind of like silver or money or even like when I even talked about it with you right now? Or, you know who hates it? The devil. He can't stand it. Do you know why? Because spirit-led giving 
pushes back the gates of hell and makes you more like your heavenly father all at the same time. It does those miraculous, supernatural things that only it can do. The enemy hates it, make no mistake. That's why Jesus, Jesus liked to make the enemy mad. So he would talk on things. So, so here's what I believe. Whether it's whatever God's entrusted us with, or the people that we lead, the, 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 the talents that we have, what God is doing right now is what the master was thinking about with the servants. God looks down today at you and me, and he says, can I trust you? Can I trust you? That's, that's what he asked himself. Can I trust you? When I show God, when you show God that he can trust us, he will bless us. But when we don't trust God's promises, we miss the blessing. Do you, do you see what happened with the third servant? It hit me when I read this scripture, and I've read it a lot. The third servant, he not only missed out on, on doubling what he had, he missed out on what he had. He lost everything. God says that what, what, the little you left, I'm going to take it from you. What's even crazier? I don't want to get to that yet. God, like I love the church. I got saved in the local church. I grew up Catholic. I didn't understand that the church was the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. I thought it was a place you go and I thought it was boring and I thought it was a waste of time and I didn't understand it, so I left like many people do. So then I come back into ministry and God shows me his word and his truth that, that the, the church isn't a, a place, but it's a people. It's you when Christ lives in you and that together we have power. And, it, and it's supernatural power that only Jesus can give us. So, so I fell in love with the church, but it's still broken. There's still drunk people hanging out, and there's hurt people hanging out, and people hurt people because it's just a bunch of broken people doing life together. But it's God's bride, and he loves his bride. So, so I thought about a story when I thought about the story that Jesus told, and it makes so much sense when you understand how much God loves his church. When I say his church, I'm talking about you. God loves you. So, so, and he loves his church and he wants to use his church to change the world. This is the power of what, what we have right here together. It's why we get so celebrate, we get so excited about celebrating four years and five years. And so, but, but play, play, play this out with me for a second. Based on the story that we read with the three servants and the master, let, let's, let's just do a, a quick illustration. Let's say I'm, I'm the guy leaving on a trip, right? I'm leaving on a trip, um, and I, I, I have three of my good friends. We'll just call them uh, Sarah, Bryce, and Destry, all right? I just making names up right now. I don't know. So, so we got Sarah, uh, Bryce, and Destry. And I'm like, I'm like, you guys, I'm taking off for, for quite a while. But I'm gonna, I love you guys. I trust you guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys cash every month. I'm going to give you 10 grand every month. You can tell this is just a story. I like to feel rich when I'm telling stories. So I'm going to give you 10 grand, and I'm going to give you 10 grand. And Destry, I'm even going to give you 10 grand. But here's what I want you to do. I love my bride. I love Jody. I love my kids. So all I'm asking you to do is every month just give them a grand. Each of you give them a grand so my house can be taken care of, so my people can be taken care of, so my family can be taken care of. And so what do they do? Three months go by, and what happens? I've been paying them 10 grand each every month. So I call Jody. I'm like, hey, babe, how's it going? She's like, good. We're doing pretty good. I said, are the, are the guys taking care of you? Yep. She said, pretty good. She said, Sarah, I've gotten 1000 from him every month for the last three months. I'm like, good. That's awesome. She said, but Bryce, Bryce actually has been sending me two grand a month. And I'm thinking to myself, 
I always liked Bryce. You know, I always liked him. So I knew we were friends for a reason. So, but then, he, but then she said, Destry, she said, not so much. Like the first month, Destry sent me 800. And the second month, Destry sent me 300. But last month, he didn't send anything. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm sending Destry 10 grand a month. Uh, do you know what I want to do with Destry? Kill him. That's what I want to do. Like, what's Destry doing with all the money? So, so I'm thinking to myself, well, what's happening? Let me ask you a question. Do you think next month I'm sending Destry 10 grand? No. I'm sending Guido to break his kneecaps. That's who I'm sending. But no, I'm not. Guess who I'm going to divert the 10 grand to? Bryce. Yep. Sarah's not mad about it. He's still getting 10 grand. He's doing good. Bryce is super pumped now because all of a sudden he's getting 20 grand. So it, doesn't it make sense that, that God uses us to take care of each other and how he does it and just ask for this? But, but, but again, I'll pull back from the money piece because blessings are so, big, so much bigger than money. I think Jesus used money a lot because we get it. We relate to it. We're like, yeah, more money. That's going to be the answer if I just make more. And Jesus is like, oh. But do you know the greatest blessings? The greatest blessings when it comes to the local church is seeing the kingdom grow. Isn't it? That's the greatest blessing. Hey, money. It's seeing the kingdom grow. It's seeing churches cross over. It's seeing churches multiply. It's seeing lost people come home. It's seeing broken people made whole. It's trusting God with our obedience. And that's what it does. It changes life. And I could tell you all day long, like I told you earlier, like when you give, that's awesome. You're being obedient. We appreciate it. But understand something. It, it ain't to get money. It ain't for that. It, it's for you to get a glimpse of what God is doing through you. See, God wants to use you to change the world. He wants to use you to change your family and your friends. He wants to use you. And sometimes my words, I, I can't even articulate it even well enough to help you understand. So sometimes I just want you to see it. So if you would, take a look at the screen and see what you invest in. Check this out from two weeks ago. The investment. Three servants. Two categories. By now you've realized something. The master in the story is God. And the servants are you and me. Well, which servant am I? Well, that's up to you. Two categories. Mm -hmm. Faithful and unfaithful. Two. The third servant. I bet it broke the master's heart. When, when, when fear took over. Again, I told you earlier, he didn't, he didn't hide the silver because he was wanting to do evil. But the third servant committed sin. Do you know why? Because, because he didn't trust. Because, because he robbed God of, of increase and service and glory. That's why. And he missed, he's the one that missed out. And he didn't just miss out on money again. It's, it's so much bigger than money. God, I hope you hear that. Do you remember? Do you remember what the first two servants were blessed with? Do you remember? We think it's about, it, it really was, wasn't about money at all. Remember what the master said? If you don't remember, I'll tell you. The guy with the five bags and the guy with the two bags, we've doubled it. Do you know what the master said? Praise God, you've been faithful with a little. And here's what he said, and you can read it in your own Bible when you got time. Praise God, you've been faithful with a little. I'll bless you with more responsibilities. Uh, King, New King James, I love it because it breaks it down even more. 
wait a minute. You mean, you mean he said he blessed him with more silver? Mm-mm. Money was never the blessing. God blessed you way better than that, trust me. He gives him responsibilities. And King James, New King James says it this way. I love this. Verse 21 or 23, whether it's the five bag or the two bag. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful because there's only one of two categories, and you were in the category of faithful over just a little few things that I gave you. I will make you ruler over many things. The only reason the one guy got ten, or the more silver is because the other guy lost the blessing. He lost it all because he lived in fear. So he was blessed with more silver, but God says, that's not even the biggest blessing. I will promote you. I will give you position and platform. I will give you influence. Money. We think so small. I wrote down, they started as servants. It doesn't make sense. Oh, God's math never makes sense. They started as servants, and they're promoted to rulers. Why? Because they were faithful in the little things. And he saw it, and he said to himself, I can trust them with more. I can trust them with more. I'm telling you, if you will show God that you trust him, he will show you great things in your marriage, in your family, in your children, in your finance, in your business, in your life. That's what he wants to show you. God, this should excite you. It does me. I want those blessings. This whole series is about you living, not by fear, but by faith. The default is blessings. If someone were to ask you, or let's say this, if you were to leave here today and ask somebody, how long have you been alive? They'd probably tell you their age. They'd probably tell you how many years they've been on the earth. But that's not what you asked them. You asked them, how long have you been alive? There's a greater fear than dying, trust me. And that's not living. It's not living your purpose, your potential, the promises of God. That should strike fear in our hearts. Huh. Okay, I'll, one more confession. The church should actually be turning seven in two weeks, not five. The reason we're not turning seven is because your pastor had fear. God spoke to me in 2015, reading Psalms 23 and planting a church called Meadows. But you know what I was focused on? Man, I read the statistics on church plans. They don't look good. Most of them don't make it. So all of a sudden I start to focus on the negative. By the way, that's what fear will always have you focus on. The what ifs. God, what if it doesn't work? Fear is placing your faith in what ifs, by the way, if you didn't know. What if? I mean, my wife Jody's leaving a job after, what, 18 years, 19? I don't know. How long? 20. Okay, what do I know? So, 20 years she worked at this job in Sioux Falls. All right, Jody, we're going to plant a church. Go ahead and quit your job and leave your friends. And what if she doesn't? What if we get to Omaha and she doesn't find a job that she loves, a job that fulfills her, a job where she, she can live her purpose and her passion? What if? What if Jody's then mad at me? You know, they, they say happy wife, happy life for a reason, right? What if Jody's ticked? What if the kids are mad after we pull them out of all they've ever known? Leave your school, leave your friends. Let's go to Omaha. And they get here and they, they can't stand their school. 
and they don't think their teachers are nice, and they're not making any friends, and now not just Jody's mad at me, but now the kids are mad at me. And now I'm really scared because I'm thinking, they're probably going to kill me in my sleep. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm worried. And fear is just racking me. So it's, 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 it's sad. But, but, but here's what God taught me. It's never too late. Yep, Monty, you were disobedient for two years because of fear. But it's never too late. It's never too late. So, so, so he brings me back to the, to, the, to the scripture where we got our name, Psalm 23. Most of you know that. That's where Meadows got its name. And he, and he brings me to the first verse. I've showed this to you, and I'll never stop showing it to you because it gave me the peace and, and the faith to move and meet you and love you and watch you love people and invite people and lives be transformed forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. The Lord is your shepherd. You have all that you need in him to do everything he's created you to do. You just got to take a step of faith and do it. He's your shepherd. He's your guide. He's your provider. He's your strong tower. Will you trust in the promises of God? Will you trust in his word and his truth? I'm going to tell you something, church, and this won't shock you. The word of God will be preached in this church until the day that God kills me. And I, I guarantee it'll be preached after that because the next guy or girl, she'll be preaching it. It will never stop. Next year, it'll be way more radical than this year. Do you know why? Because culture is shifting and it will continually shift. And that's okay. Jesus said it would. Don't let it freak you out. But you're going to look more crazy. You're going to look, look more radical because you're living by the promises of God, not by what the world promises, which is nothing. So, People will say things. People will deconstruct their faith. People will leave the faith. They'll think you're crazy for the things that you do and the things that you go to and the, what you invest in. You'll hear things like, well, I wrote it down. It's not scientifically possible for a man to live in a fish for three days. You know what I'd say to that? I agree 100% with you. It is not scientifically possible. But here's what else I know. It's also not scientifically possible for a man to be born to a virgin or a man to walk on water or a man to rise from the dead. See, those things don't prove the Bible isn't true. They just prove that with God, all things are possible. Do you believe it? Why don't you shout like you believe it and let him hear you? With you, Father, all things are possible. What area are you struggling in? You don't have to tell me. Tell him. What fear is holding you back? You got to name it. What fear is blocking God's blessing in your life? Oh my gosh. Last week, you want to talk about a worship team. Elizabeth wasn't even up here today. We're blessed in so many ways. Last week, if you, you were here, I'm, I'm getting excited. When I, I stutter when I get excited, Jody. You know that. So, Last week, Elizabeth led all four songs for the first time ever. If you were here last week, did she do okay? Or what do you think? She did? I was blown away. So Elizabeth's up here, and what you don't know about her, and I'm not going to say much because she don't even know I'm saying this, but I guarantee there was fear in Elizabeth standing up here doing that, praying over you, uh, 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 talking about the one-for-one, one, doing everything that she had to do, and then leading worship boldly. 
that, that, that she, there would have been some anxiety. There would have been some fear. There would have been some worry. But she's up here doing it. And what killed me is this. I was so blown away by how well she did. I sent her a text this week saying, my God, I could not believe the way God was using you and the Holy Spirit moving. Here's what she sends back to me. This will tell you her heart. I quoted it. Thank you. It's always a blessing to get to serve. What area do you need to step into? Using your gifts and talents to serve the Lord? Trusting God in finance? Trusting God with your family? Trusting God with a business decision? Trusting God with, uh, with your children? What about trusting God with your faith? <laughs> Nothing more important than that. Those baptisms, I'm going to watch that video over and over and over. I can't get enough. The number one scripture tied to baptisms is, is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Old things have passed away, and, th and things have become new. Yeah, it... it do you know what stands out to me in that scripture? Two words. In Christ. You know why they stand out to me? Because I've always had head knowledge of Jesus. I've always believed in Jesus. But just because I believe in Jesus or you believe in Jesus doesn't mean I'm in Christ. There is a difference. When Christ is in you and you are in Christ, you will know it. There is a surrender. There is a relationship. It isn't just head knowledge. It's a heart relationship. Oh, what God wants to do in you. Most people equate the gospel, the good news, to good and bad. Well, there's good and there's bad. You're either right or you're wrong. Actually, no, no, no. There's two categories, just like faithful and unfaithful. Do you know the two categories when it comes to the gospel? You're either dead or alive in Christ. I believed in Jesus most of my, all my life. But for a lot of that life, I was dead in Christ. Because head knowledge is one thing. A relationship is something way different. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people back to life. It's what he's in the business of doing. I wrote down, you'll never know who you were created to be until Jesus lives in you. So, Jesus comes and dies on this cross. We can't fathom it. Someone's got to die when someone sins. That's what the Bible says. The wages for sin is death. You've all sinned. So have I. Jesus comes and says, I'll take your punishment. So you don't have to die and spend forever away from Jesus or from God. I will die on a cross. And, and, and I won't just stay dead on a cross, but three days later, I will resurrect myself. And I'll prove to you that I, who I said I was. And, and there's a reason that John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to the Father unless you go through Jesus. That's it. Not because I said it. He said it. I love you so much. I need you to know that when you surrender to him and you surrender to, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you say, oh my God, I am such a mess up and I get mad and I get angry and I've said things and I've done things and I've looked at things and God, I need you. And you surrender and you ask God to come into you, Jesus specifically to come into you and make you new. He will do it. And when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are in Christ. 
Old things are gone. New things are here. Old things are gone. New things are here. Old life is gone. New life is here. Old ways are gone. New ways are here. God wants to meet you here today. So here's what I want. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing a song, one of my favorites, called The Blessing. Don't go anywhere. You'll you'll miss something supernatural if you leave before the song is over. And you'll miss something even more supernatural if you leave after the song and don't come up and pray with somebody. God wants to meet you. Jesus Christ died for you. He is in love with you. Don't don't miss him. Don't leave here with motivation. Don't leave here with a a main point and, and, and leave Jesus at the altar. God, surrender to everything. He wants to make you new. He died to make you new. He loves you so much. Father, wow, what a series. So, you sent Jesus to die so we might live a blessed life. And blessings are way bigger than what our our feeble minds think about. We think about material things. We think about success the way the world defines it. But the more that I study your word, God, the more I see things like this. You, didn't, you don't call us to be successful. You call us to be faithful. And if we're faithful, success follows. Fruit follows. Life change follows. New life follows. God, I pray for the church. I pray for everybody here. Everybody's at different seasons, different areas. Let them define what's stopping them, what's holding them back from taking a step and getting beyond the fear, the servant. Here's the thing. The master loved the servant. He still loved the servant even after he was disobedient. He just couldn't trust him. Hmm. You love us and nothing's going to stop you from loving us. My question is, do you know you can trust us? The only way you'll know that is if we show you. And the only thing, way we can show you is by taking a step. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. But don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.